Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Boardcast, episode number 412. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we're looking forward to coming out July 1st, 2020. Oh, 2020. <laughs> we followed up with our weekly sure. rotating main topic, and this week it's time for our monthly trading policy. And this time we have a Paul Baby book, and this is Truth, Red, White, and Black from Marvel Comics. Uh, written by Robert Morales with art by Kyle Baker. The, the late Robert yeah. Mor- uh, Morales. I saw that and because uh, I was trying to figure out like if he had written anything else. And when I Googled his name, that was like mm-hmm. the first thing that popped up. Because I don't know if I had read anything else from him, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, also, I wanted to bring this up about the, the list. Since DC Comics now releases their books on Tuesdays. Should we stay the week of? Because Marvel's still releasing. Everybody else is still releasing on Wednesdays. Except I don't think we have to get that. Yeah. Because technically, technically all the books are in the stores on Tuesdays anyways, but the street date forums Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Semantics. Ah. And you know what uh, goes well with semantics? Drinking beer. Drinking some beers. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking since you just took a sip? I just took a sip, and now I'm going to put it down so I can actually pick up my crawler of it. Uh, recently, I went back to one of my go-to Florida breweries with Castle Church Brewing. This is the Lutheran church that also operates as a brewery, or the brewery that also operates as a Lutheran church. I saw that they had a couple new things available on their website when I was looking the other day, so I was like, okay, you know what, I'll go pick something up. Uh one of them they were already sold out of. Again, it's a small place, so they don't bottle or can anything. It's all just at the bar, crawlers and growlers to go. But the other one they did still have, so I got their Blood Orange Shandy. Uh, and this is absolutely fantastic. I got they got me a big old crawler of that. And since we're already in Florida in summer, it's absolutely disgusting outside. So while I was there, I actually tried uh, their... Uh, I forget the name of it. I checked into it on Untapped, but it was like Katie's or Katie's Kolsch. And I'm not big on Kolsch's, but man, having that on a 96 degree day, oh, it, it went down so easy, so good. Uh, much like this, like this Blood Orange Shandy is absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm I'm really digging it. I'm glad I got this whole crawler here for myself. I did pick up another crawler of something else. Uh, it was their Indulgences IPA. I was going to have that later on the show, but. I wound up drinking that yesterday when I was on a almost three-hour phone call with my mom. So only one beer for me today, but it's a 32-ounce crawler. So this will probably last me. And if not, I can just mix me up a drink. Hey, nice. I do have a question. Yes. Is their menu nailed to their door? It is not. Um, Sorry about that. I feel like a missed opportunity there. Um, that means it's a glass window door, so... Uh, Paul, what are you? Anyways, no, no, John, I want to hear what you're drinking because I don't need anything else from Paul right now. After that, <laughs> he's he's getting put in an internet timeout. He can't talk anymore. Uh, from Lawson's finest liquid, I am having the space in between uh, with passion fruit added to it. Uh, the space in between is an undefined ale uh, and is brewed with passion fruit. It is five percent. 
Um, I really enjoyed just the regular, uh, the space in between. It's kind of in the middle of just like a, like a pub ale and an IPA. It's not quite one. It's not quite the other. Um, just a really good drinking beer. Great flavor to it. Uh, the passion fruit was really, really nice uh, at the beginning of this beer. And that now at this point, it just tastes really um, tart and a little bitter and not in a pleasant way uh, now that I'm about almost half, more than halfway through the beer. Um, yeah, it's really good in the beginning, but uh, at this point, it just has gotten um, it is a little too tart and bitter for me. See, with the Shandy, it's really nice, really crisp, nice sweetness on it. But I have like an orange zest on my tongue right now. It's not as, I don't want to say bad, like a derogatory thing. It's not as bad as like the Elysian Super Fuzz. But I get that like just nice citrus zest on my tongue. This is absolutely fantastic. I like it a lot. Good. Paul, you are now unshunned. You can continue on podcasting. Your two minutes is up. Cool. Uh, I am drinking a non-alcoholic beer today. Uh, non-alcoholic IPA from Run Wild, uh, called Run Wild from Athletic Brewing Company. Uh, they're a craft brewery, quote-unquote, that uh, wants to brew beer for people that want to still be active and uh, have low-calorie drinks. This can is only 70 calories. Uh with uh, most of that coming from carbohydrates. The ingredients they list are water, barley, organic Vienna malt, hops, and yeast. Uh, they don't list the type of hop, which is annoying to me. But uh, uh, Sometimes I found if you go onto Beer Advocate, they'll actually have some of that information that's not available. Um, I don't read the reviews, though, because... They're pretentious? Yeah. Everything is so pretentious. I just, I can't deal with it. I'm, I usually just go there for information about the beer that I can't get from the brewery itself. Yeah, because this feels more West Coast of a hop. It's more, you know, not more resiny. It's definitely not a citrus hop. It does have a nice hop flavor. Would you liken it to walking malt. through a Pacific Northwest forest on an autumn yeah. day? Because that's like a beer advocate review. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah, I definitely get some more of uh, that uh, sea sea spray, mm. you know, a uh, uh, little bit of that kind of refreshingness, little, and then it has a malt finish to it. I don't get any kind of barley flavor. Maybe it's there, and I'm just don't know how to describe it, so I'm not picking up on it. Paul, have you tr- it's in a, have you tried uh, Lagunitas hop water? Not yet. Oh, I I highly recommend it. It's delicious next time i see it out i i really enjoy drinking this beer uh you know when you johnny you were quite active for a while with the cycling yeah and you know you did a few races as well some runs uh and usually there's a beer tent after that if they had this in the beer tent i'd happily grab that uh versus you know whatever kind of like blood bat or Budweiser, they norm or Coors Light, they normally have, um, unless you get to a good beer run like Run Seven One Six, which is sponsored by Flying Bison. I have to say, one of my favorite things when I was cycling and I do sixty to seventy miles, my favorite thing was going to Pizza Plant and having a pod 
and like two beers and all the peanuts I could eat. That, <laughs> that was my favorite thing because yeah. I was so uh, depleted on calories that it just felt wonderful having all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I completely agree. Like after you know a run, you, you feel like, oh yeah, let's get some beer, let's drink a little bit. Like, and I would be happy, like to get that. I think I'm going to try to find some good prices on some good non-alcoholic beers like this. Uh, uh, this was ten ninety nine, which I think was for a four-pack, too. Or, or, no, a six-pack. Was it a six-pack? Okay. It's a six-pack. Yep. Uh, um, Brewdog, we just uh, started carrying their NAs. They have, uh, uh, yeah. they have a stout, an IPA, and I think like a, a grapefruit IPA. Oh, nice. Uh, the person that introduced me to this athletic brewery, another first time I had it, was actually super friend of the show, Ed. Ed, I'm so, just Ed. Next time, thank you, super. Next time I come up, I want to see Ed. Yeah, and the two twins, they're fun. I only care about Ed. <laughs> yeah, but his, his three-year-olds are the same height as him. <laughs> same hairline, too. Not true. Ooh. Oh. No, see, no well, not they true. have more hair. Love you, Ed. Right. <laughs> he fine. doesn't listen. He'll probably he'll just <sighs> nod. Go. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't bite, and then he'll take a sip of a beer. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, why don't we get into the the news? Yeah, and kind of a downer for the news this week. Not a lot of positive stuff's been put out into the world. Um. First thing I kind of want to mention, uh, we did lose director Joel Schumacher, best known or worst known for the uh, Batman sequels, uh, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. Which, Putting the nipples on the suits. The, I mean, those, those costumes got nipples on them, but you know what? I stand by those movies because they're stupid but they're fun and they're entertaining. And a lot of people instantly are going to, you know, compare them to the Burton movies, which came out before that Batman and Batman returns, which were a lot more based off of, you know, the eighties, the comics. If you go into Batman and Robin and Batman forever with being in the mind frame of like, Oh, this is based off of the 1960s Batman show. You go into it with that camp. You're like, okay, like this, this makes more sense. You like uh, producer Scott always says about uh, Street Fighter movie. You have to watch it as a comedy. I don't think these movies are as bad as everyone makes them out to be. Um, no, I actually would. I'd rather go back and watch the Schumacher Batman's than the Burton Batman's. I would rather watch Batman Returns. But I think I would then take the Schumacher Batmans over the original Batman. Uh, but also, I mean, you may know him for also Lost Boys or uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Eight. Yeah, I never watched that, though. But 8mm, uh, it's a Nick Cage movie. So there you go. And he also did the Phantom of the Opera uh, with Gerard Butler, which not bad. I mean, I think it was a good take on it. I don't think. Gerard Butler was the person to choose for the Phantom, but no, wasn't bad. 
He could sing. He, I, I, anyone can sing, but you know, how good are you at Paul? You can sing. Should yeah, you sing well. though? No. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, those movies get a bad rap. You just need to go into them with that outlook on it, and just go in to have fun. Don't think it's going to be like a big, dark, gritty, serious take on Batman because. I don't think that's what he meant for them to be. Yeah. And I mean, he's, when you look through his movies, you go, oh, we did that. You know, um, number 23, Flatliners, uh, The Client, um, A Time to Kill, Flawless, uh, Phone Booth, Bad Company. Like he's, it's a, a very mixed thing. And, uh, no, I, I, I have to say, I've and enjoyed a lot of Joel not, Schumacher movies. Yeah, and, I'm not a big fan of any of those, but I think they're all well done. I, I think I think he's a talented director. I'm just it's yeah. sad to see could, someone uh, get picked apart because people don't like that take on a character. You know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then um, the your uh, the other death, Chris, you wanted to mention. Uh, we lost Ian Holm. You may know him from Time Bandits, or you may know him from Lord of the Rings. Uh, personally, I know him more for uh, Ratatouille. He was the voice of the evil chef that was trying to catch uh, Linguini and Remy uh, Skinner. The French chef? Which, I think he's French. The little guy? I that mean, was... everyone. that movie takes place in France, so yeah, everyone what? is French. Um... I talked myself through it, guys. I got there eventually. Um, but yeah, Ian Holm. Kind of sad. I, oh. He came back at the... Sorry, I love Lord of the Rings. I'm okay with The Hobbit. He came back at the end of The Hobbit movies, too. I think they had yeah. kind of like a wrap-up leading he, into Fellowship. Uh, yeah, he was, um, I know, suffering from Parkinson and some dementia. And it was kind of taking its toll on them to do those Hobbit movies. Because I believe originally they were even thinking about maybe even just doing him as the Hobbit before Martin Freeman came in. Because they filmed him as Bilbo. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's uh, sad to see him go. Uh, I love all the different movies he's been in. Um, He's played some good bad guys. He's played great good guys. There's always a likability to him. Uh, I'm on his IMDb right now. I forgot he was in The Fifth Element. Yeah, Fifth Element. It's which a, I haven't seen that in a, years. It's a... He was but great yeah. with Chris Tucker in that. Uh, yeah, I'm just going back through. I got nothing. Chariots of Fire, which I've never actually seen. Chariots of Fire? Really? Yeah, yeah I've never seen it. He was uh, Sam Musabini. But yeah, he's been around for a while. Big body of Chariots of Fire. No no chariots in that movie. Just right. Is there fire, at least? Uh, Yeah. Just the fire of your past. And I do want to apologize because he also was Sir Ian Holm. I didn't realize he had been knighted, too. Uh, Yeah, and I mean, he started his uh, film career in 1957, so... Yeah, he was around. He was around for a while. Um, yeah, no, he was. Uh, he was great. He was the the bad guy in the first Alien movie. 
the bad robot. He's great. And then um, just uh, continuing on that, uh, Joe Sinnott, who was uh, one of the Marvel legends of uh, Inkers for the 60s. He passed away at 93, um, passed away in his sleep, peaceful. Um, He had retired in 92, and he uh, continued to do the inking for the uh, Spider-Man serial in the newspapers after that. But uh, he worked on a lot of Kirby work. Uh, doing the Avengers and doing um, Fantastic Four with Kirby. So uh, it's always sad to see a legend go, but at least he went peaceful. And when you mentioned him, like that name didn't catch me at all. So my first question was going to be, well, what has he done? Just so I could be familiar with it. But then you literally was like, oh, he inked the Spider-Man like, newspaper strip. And I was like, oh, yeah, so I've definitely seen his work because – like I said, pre-show, and I have no problem saying it again. That's always one of those comic strips that if I see it, I'm going to read it because it's Spider-Man. And even if it's just a couple panels of Peter Parker going about his daily business, it's always just really accessible and I think more fun than most of the other comics that you read because it's such like that 1960s of the time Peter Parker, even though it's like semi-updated. I always just like appreciated it. I don't think I've ever read an action scene in the Spider-Man comic script. <laughs> I thought it was because... always it was always him saying like goodbye to Mary Jane and then swinging off to do something, and then like oh I don't get the weekly pay- daily paper so I'll well, never see this. That's why when we were talking about this before the show, I was like let's let's put a pin in this because I want to come back to it. I think. It would be the best job ever to write the write and draw probably the Spider-Man comic strip or any other kind of superhero comic strip because all you have to have is just like the bare bones plot in your head and you can just stretch it out for as long as you want. <laughs> if you give me something like you know Ziggy or Mutz or like Beetle Bailey, like you gotta have like a single condensed like lead up joke every single day. That's a lot of pressure. Like, so if you're one of those comic strip artists, you get like so much props, even something like Kathy. I could not write Kathy every single day. It's a a lot of arc. Arc? Didn't you say arc a lot? Ack. I I couldn't do that. Spider-Man, though, you say, hey, Chris, you're going to be the writer on the Spider-Man comic strip. I could be like, all right, I got this. Five panels. Peter's talking to Aunt May about something. I got a and then whole, like, 23 hours to think about the next one. Like, here we go. And then your oh, editor's man. like, but whoa, whoa, if whoa. He did that? You, need to, you need to slow down. You're you're outpacing yourself here, buddy. Maybe he goes <laughs> for a walk. Let him go for a walk. You get a call from Brian Michael Bendis. Hey, you're stealing my <laughs> shtick. <laughs> I was, was going to do three whole volumes on the, him talking to Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> you were, I know you read Ultimate Spider-Man. You're st- you're just plagiarizing me. Uh, I I talked to someone about Ultimate Spider-Man the other day, and I liked it when it came out. But then they were just trying to catch up too fast to everything else that happened in Spider-Man because people wanted to see it. Yeah, it was like the greatest hits. It's like yeah. the Clone Saga for some Clone reason. Saga, like a year uh, into the comic book, too. Like, yeah. 
Venom showed up. Yeah, Venom showed up like well. first year, then Carnage because Carnage killed Gwen Stacy. And then after that, like they got into the, all the clone stuff. Like, it was a whirlwind. But I mean, you know, they got their 300 whatever issues that uh, Bendis and Bagley did on it. So, you know, they, they put in the work. I fell off of it though after I think probably like year two or year three. Like, because I, I never bought it. No, I did buy a single issue because I was buying all the Ultimate stuff. But that was one of those series that I had all of the trades for because it was a good, nice, easily accessible, enjoyable read. Like, you could pass that off to anybody and be like, oh, hey, you know a little bit about Spider-Man? You'll enjoy this. You know a lot about Spider-Man? Well, you'll like this because it's a different take on it. Um, But yeah, just greatest hits until they kind of started crossing over with other stuff. And I like those stories a little bit more. Like I think ultimates and X-Men both did better jobs of differentiating themselves from the, you know, the six one six, like the Marvel universe. But I think Spider-Man is probably the one that I read the most and ultimately, <laughs> ultimately uh, contributed the most to comic books because it gave us Miles Morales. Joe, uh, who passed away, had to ink the king of comics, uh, Jack Kirby, which is no small feat. Because um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the inkers are just a race. Well, and that's also because uh, Rob Liffield's the one that draws all the small feet. Because no he said no small feet. Jack Kirby, yeah. Rob Liffield. No, no. He draws tiny okay, feet. Game recognizes game. I, I, I got you. My, do I have to have to go sit in the corner now and see is that that's how it works. No, right? no, it's fine. No, 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 that was good. No, um, I, I, I'm not sure which arcs that he did uh, on the Fantastic Four, but I know that was one of the big criticisms of the anchors on the Fantastic Four run uh, with Kirby doing the art was that the detail was all lost. And then when they went back and looked at the pencils, they were like, oh my goodness, so look at all these insane backgrounds all the detail work. But as an inker, you're getting paid a page rate, right? And it's probably not a great page yeah. rate, so I can't blame them for that. But he was probably making his money off the uh, comic strip. Because <clears throat> back in the day, that's where you want, you know, all comic book artists and writers wanted to get land a comic strip because the new paper, newspaper paid really well. Does that Spider-Man strip And it was still... four or five pay- panels. Is that still coming out? That Spider-Man strip? I think so, but I don't. I haven't. I think it's a reprint. Newspaper in forever. I haven't seen a newspaper since, um, since before the plague. So I don't know. Are there new? Okay, so it actually, the Spider-Man strip was launched January third, nineteen seventy-seven. It ended March twenty-second, two thousand nineteen. So it went up until last year. So that's actually. That's not bad. And just, hey, July third, I have something to celebrate. Just say, and hey, uh, if you need people to write it, I'm your guy. Like I'll I'll do it. And uh, Kirby and uh, Sinat's collaboration remains one of the most highly regarded in American comics. Um, so they worked a lot together, and he must have been one of the people that Kirby approved of doing it because they worked yeah. on. Captain America, Inhumans, and Silver Surfer together. 
he also worked with Jar Perez. Um, yeah. Avengers, West Coast Avengers, the Mighty Thor Defenders. His ink style was very distinct for an entire generation of fans can recognize his work. If you grew up at that time, I imagine. Does that bring us over to some park news, Chris? Uh, yeah, we can head over to my neck of the woods here with Walt Disney World and then also happening over in Disneyland. Uh, just announced that Splash Mountain, based off of the uh, hybrid animated live-action film Song of the South, is going to be going a bit of a renovation to update it to a more current franchise and also steer away from the movie's racist past with uh, an update to Disney's Princess and the Frog. Uh, A complete overhaul. It's probably going to be keeping the exact same. John shaking his head. Should be Moana, right? Where's my Moana? Okay, we'll we'll come back. We'll come back. Uh, Complete update. It's going to be keeping like the same ride track and like vehicle most likely. Uh, So, Paul, you're probably not going to want to go on it still. But complete retheming top to bottom. Um, this is a big undertaking because, I mean, the company has been taking a hit. The parks have not been open. Stateside, at least. They just reopened uh, Shanghai and Hong Kong earlier in the month. But yeah, this is huge. But it's also something that people have been calling on Disney to do with the recent race protests and Black Lives Matter movement happening with all the police violence that's been happening. And I don't fault people for that. It's a good ride, but I was talking to someone today. Nothing at Disney World for me is like sacred, like besides like Haunted Mansion. They could pretty much take anything, gut it, replace it with something else, and I'd be okay with it. And as much as I enjoy Splash Mountain, it's because I like it for what it is. It's just, Paul, you don't have to listen to this part because I know you disagree. Uh, It's just a fun splash down log flume water ride. You know, it's great to ride on a hot day, even though it's always got a super long wait. Um, will I miss what it is? No. Do I understand why they're doing it? Yeah, it's, it's fine. I have no problem with them changing things to update with the times. Um, I know I saw song of the South like once when I was a kid, don't remember any of it. I have no, no love lost for what it is or what it was. Uh, just, it's a weird time because like a lot of people are upset that, you know, this ride, this big part of their childhood is, you know, quote unquote going away. Me, I didn't go to Disney world until I was already an adult. You know, I never went on splash round until I went with Paul, who will tell you the harrowing tale of it. Um, <clears throat> Had a panic attack on the ride. It's it's for babies. It's a ride, and my I can't handle. My only thing is, we'll, we'll come can't handle babies. We'll either. come back to John. Uh, I think the best thing that they could do would be to give the princess and the frog its very own ride. Don't just reskin something else that's always been existed and is actually it's going to have that heritage to it because now it's always going to be known as like, well, this was like the racist, like reconstructionist slave ride. 
Princess and the Frog has its own fraught history because a lot of that was based off the fact that Tiana was originally going to be Hattie, a house servant working for a wealthy white family. And then it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get out on my own and like start this restaurant. Like that movie on its own has its problems. So I don't think slapping it into another problematic ride is the best solution for it. Give Princess and the Frog its own ride. That's a big chunk of land if they want to do something else over there. I know that's a huge undertaking on its own. I mean, I just recently rewatched the Disney Imagineering documentary series on uh, Disney Plus, and it's such a great series. I recommend everybody watch it if you have any interest in the Disney company at all. Um, but yeah, I I think there's a better way to use Princess and the Frog and those characters than just shoehorning them into something because you, you know, strips want to save face on something. And before we move ahead, John, Moana does not belong in Frontierland. <laughs> That's why they're doing this. Moana will have or her time Louisiana to shine. Louisiana Square. Um, random, like kind of circling back. Uh, on that three-hour phone call I had with my mom, my mom told me that she sat down and watched Moana on Disney+. Plus. She was like, it was so good. It's like, I know, I love that movie. Uh, um, but Moana will have her place in Epcot. Like, they're going to do, like, that whole Seas Pavilion is going to have, like, a Moana entryway to it about, like, the history and importance of water, like, leading you into it. I love Moana. But he wants a ride. I think, I think a Moana ride would be fun. See, I uh, apparently did. You listen to uh, the that Disney Dish podcast, Chris? They talked a little bit about it, not not with the actual news, but saying, "Hey, you know, Disney's been thinking about the retheming for a while." Like, oh, yeah. and I know there were rumors of it happening before, uh, and it this is this isn't something that they just said, "Oh." Uh, everything's happening around us in the news. So let's hurry I, up and do this. I can understand that. Like, I haven't heard that one yet. Um, but like, this plan's been on the back burner apparently this, for the longest time, and they were just been looking for the right time to release it and do it when you know they think the fans of the original ride can't won't, won't be as upset. But well, they're too upset about wearing, I think, having to wear masks, like when they go into public right now. So, so let's make them yeah. let's make them um, upset. Uh, but Len Testa brought up a good point, which is in Disneyland, where it's basically right near Splash Mountain, is right near the uh, like Louisiana Square, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But for it to be in Frontierland, right next to um, Big Thunder Mountain, it's just a little weird to then have. Uh, this Lu- very Louisiana themed, very New Orleans themed ride uh, be right there. I-, I think they could do a different theming in Disney World. Um, it- I mean, all of Disney's better. built on a swamp anyway, so it doesn't matter. But yeah. John had John had an I- idea. I saw that spark of inspiration in his uh, Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I was thinking they yeah. did the short for John Henry. Like maybe doing a bunch of, but then again, are we are we doing it just to be to not be the the old slave uh, ride? Let's are we are we going to theme it 
to, to as counter programming yeah. of, of that. And I'm like, well, you know, would that be such a bad thing? You have like the John Henry short and maybe some other shorts and other black Disney characters that you could highlight there. Or um, Mo Wan. Not just. I think we need to talk about that more because it makes sense. I think I've watched it. I'm okay. I, I'm fine with talking about Moana. Like, that movie's fantastic. I think I've watched it four times since Disney Plus has come on. And uh, I've watched it, quote unquote, with my son. Uh, but he likes it too. And uh, he's nuts for those coconuts. I will watch it when he's gone to bed and I'll continue watching it. So, that's oh, so good. I love I love the music. I love everything about that movie. <laughs> everything. Well, it's, it's fantastic. Well, if you're going to push for Moana there, you know what's right near uh, there? Like, in fact, a place that everybody goes and stops and takes a rest? The Tangled Restrooms. It's kind of a cut through from New Fantasy Land over mm-hmm. to Frontierland. Boom. Tangled Flume Ride. It would make more sense because of the... They have the water. They get stuck underwater and stuff. Yeah, they get stuck underwater right there. Uh, they, you know, Maximus kicks down the uh, the aqueduct, yeah. the aquifer. Yeah. 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 I'm just trying to think of like more frontier based stuff. I mean, I know Disney's kind of Zorro. Disney's moved away from doing like new, like standalone IP. Like everything has to be like based off of something that's like a tried and true. Well, I mean. They could they could do Tom Sawyer. There's nothing racist about Tom Sawyer. No, not not at all. (laughs) On a river, on on, on a raft, nothing nothing racist. (laughs) Nothing racist on that raft. But again, like I again, you know, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm stepping away. I'm muting. If they want to get rid of Tom Sawyer Island too, that's fine. Like I've been over there one time, and I was like, "This, this all it is. Like okay. I hear they have good corn dogs over there. I'm not a fan of corn dogs, though. You're not a fan of corn dogs? I, I honestly, I don't know if I could tell the difference between a good corn dog and a bad corn oh. dog. It's not something that I ever go towards. I, uh, not to derail us anymore. Uh, so when I was in my 20s, I used to drive my grandmother, who was in her 70s, um, down to Florida, where she had a place. I'd drive her down. In January and driver back um, in uh, on my Easter break, and the one time I took her down there, we stopped at Walmart, and I was hungry, and I bought myself a corn dog, and my grandmother had never had a corn dog before, uh, so I let her have a bite, and then she gave me money and said, "Go buy, go buy some more." So I bought her one, and I ate corn dogs in the car with my grandmother, who had a corn dog for the first time in her 70s, loved them, and would get them anytime she saw a corn dog. Were, were they, like, prepared corn dogs that you, like, walked up and, yeah. like, got from, like... Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if, like, you had bought, no. like, a box of corn dogs. eating a frozen or, one? I, I, I've not, Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like... Gas station. You're right? in Florida. You just put... Gas station. You yeah, just microwave. You put those things out and about. Like, you just leave it sitting on your, uh... Dashboard for a minute, bam! You got your got corn dog, baby. Corn dog going. Golden brown and diesel. <laughs> golden, golden. When you said golden brown, it just made me think of a mustard, and I'm like, I mean, you could put golden brown on. Oh, that'd be good. 
Did he miss the diesel part? No, I heard that. I didn't know where you were going <laughs> oh. with this. Well, it's because people say golden brown and delicious. Who says that about what? About fried foods. Do they? I've never heard of that. Or baking. <laughs> I've eaten a lot of. Wait, wait until it's golden brown and well, maybe Alton. Maybe it's only Alton brown. I don't know. Any- <laughs> Sorry, I'm just writing down golden brown and diesel under savor gene because <laughs> that's that's still in my notebook, guys. <clears throat> uh, so that's going to take us over to. Uh, is that the name of your dildo? <laughs> Sidebar, that was something we were talking about beforehand. What, was, what were the other names I remember? So like Sleeping Joe, like whatever it was. Joe Stick. Joe Stick. Uh. <laughs> Gloria Estefan. I have also distressed, I don't know how to spell the word diesel. Uh, put a VIN in front of it, and you'll figure it out. Uh, Two just E's. look up the six points. Two E's. We did it. All right. We got there, guys. Uh, <laughs> this show. Uh, and let's get over to uh, the list uh, where there are things that we are looking forward to coming out the week of July 1st, 2020. Right, we're, we're there, guys. We're at the, We're now at the halfway point of the year. It's almost done. Chris, uh, what book are you looking forward to? Uh, well, recently, I've been super bad about reading comic books. I bought a bunch of books that we're going to actually be talking about when we do our June-July look back. And while I was making my purchases, I also decided to go buy the back catalog of all of the Boom Studios Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books that I've missed out on because I really like this new updated take on these characters, uh, Written by Jordi Belair, art by David Lopez. And luckily, number 15 is coming out this week. So I'm going to be jumping back into it. And this might be one of my go-to just monthly reads now because, guys, I love me some Buffy. And the comic book was great. Like, the production value, the look of it, the stories. It had it when we read it for the look back. Like, last year now, I read the next two or three issues of it. I adored it, but I just, I got bad at reading comic books, so I'm going to get back into it. This is one of my go-tos. Jono. I'm actually uh, not going to look forward to a book this week, but I'm going to do... Then Paul! (laughs) (laughs) I am also going to follow Chris's lead and uh, go back in the back catalog and buy some books that I've missed and that I was going to... You just sit there, John. (laughs) And I, I'm going to pick up uh, Event Ho- uh, Leviathan, issues number five and issues number six, so I can finish reading that miniseries that I kind of forgot about, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Maliv. Was it Alex Maliv? I think so. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to finish finally finish that miniseries that I think there was some delays to it or something as well, but no, I'm also just, I can't make excuses. I'm also a horrible comic book reader. So... There we go. So we'll look forward to a trade-in policy sometime with uh, Event Leviathan, because now I own all the books. Well, that's going to head us into our John? next <laughs> No, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what are you looking to... So you're right, going to watch Moana again. <laughs> uh, and uh, that takes us out of this... Uh... Uh, I am looking forward to a new podcast that just started, and this is called... 
It's John Solo's show because he's done with it's, And it's all about Moana. Uh, no, this is uh, literally... He calls it Moana. Like, he's he wants... I want more of it. More Moana. So um, it's Moana. Oh, I thought it was going to be... Like, remember, that was the thing for a while, the podcasts that were just talking about one minute of a movie. So I thought it was going to be Moana Ooh. Minute, where he just talks about the first minute. The first episode's about the first minute of Moana. Second episode, second I minute. I did not know that was a thing. Paul, yeah, we should that take that idea and do it like, but only like a chapter of a book. <laughs> and then I should read, yeah. I should read the second book that we talked about doing. <laughs> for. Yeah, I read the first three pages and I'm like, oof. I don't okay. Know. Well, I'll get around to it. It's okay. So, well, it's, it's exactly what we thought it would okay. be. So, John, I'm sorry, John. This is like, uh, what was that movie that you watched and we eight millimeter over you? <laughs> it's just like this. No. It's just like it's like one of the first episodes. It's like we a, did and you got a really snuff film. It was Zombie Land. How's it? Just no, like I'm, the I'm, I'm, can I? Am I going to go? Okay. I mean, I guess. Uh, so a new podcast called Literally with uh, Rob Lowe where he interviews and talks with different uh, friends and, and celebrities. His first episode is with Chris Pratt. Uh, I listened to a little bit of the beginning of it, uh, and it just sounds like Rob Lowe is having fun chats with friends. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more of this podcast. Um, he even said that he's already recorded uh, several, um, some over Skype, some in person, um, and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes cause it kind of was a lot of fun. Uh, the first, I think I listened about the first 10 minutes of it. And I like that Chris is now looking it up to download onto his podcast. Yeah. I, I just, I just subscribed to it. No, I, I hadn't heard about this. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Aren't you, I'm checking aren't you it glad out. I brought this to the table? I mean, finally. I mean, I've been waiting for you to say something for <laughs> the past ten minutes now. <clears throat> uh, but now, wait. Am I doing this? Reading am I doing the, the Spider-Man clip, or am I doing? Uh... No, you're doing the other one. And you're I was going to make Paul do the Spider-Man one, just as like a bonus. <clears throat> hmm. Star Wars: Age of Resistance. Funeral Hux. Number one, page seven, panel eight. It's all, okay, it's just focused for me. Vader. Oh, Jesus. Vader wore his mask because he couldn't breathe without it. But you, you just play dress up and hide the face of your rebel scum parents. And that was a dramatic reading from Star Wars Age of Resistance, General Hux, Issue 1, Page 7, Panel 8. And now, a bonus dramatic reading from the Amazing Spider-Man newspaper strip, March 23rd, 2019. All my life, I dreamed of going to Australia. My Broadway Hollywood careers paid for this vacation. And we get to enjoy every minute of it together, Tiger. Which makes me one lucky guy, MJ. 
Enough said. It's a dramatic reading from the Spider-Man newspaper strip, March 23rd, 2019. So they end up, so you can find this online, everyone. Like, this isn't, like, anything shady like that I did to download. I literally just searched Spider-Man webcomic strip. That's, <laughs> Peter and MJ are sitting on a plane. The plane seats empty. look like washing machines. Also, like <laughs> sitting in front of them are Stanley and Rob Thomas, the two people that worked on on the strip. But they're like standing, they're facing them. <laughs> they're standing in the plane facing them. I'm just baffled at how big this plane is. Maybe I mean, maybe MJ's uh, Broadway and Hollywood careers have bought them like top tier. Uh, plane tickets. And then also MJ's reading the Daily Bugle in the final panel with Spider-Man saying enough said as the headline. I, I thought this was their like Kelvin and Hobbes moment where they just ride off to Australia together and to never be heard of from. I mean, again. like, you know, when they go sledding. Advent- oh, I can't remember what like the final panel is, but it's like adventures out there. Like, it's like, let's see what's mm-hmm. what's out there. Like, it's a big, yeah. broad, inspiring moment that pays homage to those characters. And like the Spider-Man ones, just two panels where it's like, that's what I would expect just to pick up if I, you know, flip to the comic strips on, you know, a Tuesday. And it was like, oh, let me see what's happening in Spider-Man. Like, because I would expect the next one is them also sitting on the plane. And then Peter's, like, spider sense goes off when he's being served his peanuts or something. Like... Man, because he knows MJ's allergic to them. Maybe I don't know, but Spider Sense peanuts. But you know what? Kelvin and Hobbs was a great comic, guys. <laughs> Every comic should be more mm-hmm. like Kelvin and Hobbs. Come back, Bill Watterson. Come back. And that uh, brings us what to eat there, to Chris. You I only have the uh, the one beer. I'm still enjoying beer. this. I've done two glasses of this so far. I, I, it's fantastic. I only got one more myself. So. I think my crawler of this was like eleven bucks, but well spent. Like this is delicious. I am God, drinking. What are you drinking. It's okay. Is it delicious. I am drinking from Rohrbach Brewing Company out of Rochester, New York. They're fuzzy, a peach double New England style IPA. Um, this is good. When I opened it, I got a nice peach nose from it. The peach is there. It's not overpowering. Um, you don't have to hunt for it, but it is a little lacking. I think I'd like it a little more peachy. Um, it's it's a nice drinking beer, um, but it's not like it's not the best. I probably wouldn't get this again, even if I saw it on tap somewhere. Um, I'd be fine with having had it, and I probably wouldn't really recommend it to anybody. Like, if you wanted to try it, I'd say, yeah, sure, try it. But I wouldn't say, oh, you gotta have it. Or, oh, you're gonna get that? Maybe spend your money on anything else. Paul, uh, I know you got another N.A. Paul's Paul's thinking about it. uh, He seems deep in thought about it. I'm drinking the Cerveza Athletica. And this is uh, Athletic Brewery uh, Beer Company's 
or athletic brewing companies, uh, now an alcoholic, uh, like copper. And this is a very light uh, flavored beer. Only 65 calories for the can. Again, basically all carbohydrates. Uh, Maybe it's just because I drank the, you know, two cans of the IPA before this. Maybe my taste buds are a little shot. Because this is very light. Uh, I wouldn't suggest getting this. It's it's refreshing because, you know, it's water. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's no alcohol sting to it. There's no alcohol burn because, you know, there is no alcohol. But it's a very light-flavored beer. Um, I, you know, I'm just not getting much of anything off of it. So right now, Run Wild is my go-to from an athletic brewing company. Well, you got to think, too. Um, but I still have to try hot it's, water from it's Black just a, um It's just going to be like a Mexican-style lager, you know. There's nothing to it. If, if yeah. that was the first thing you had, you probably would like it better if it was as hot as balls out mm-hmm. like it was last week or it's going to be this the rest of this week yeah. it probably is going to taste great yeah if I was really <laughs> thirsty maybe that would hit the spot maybe that's what I would for coming home uh, after I mow the lawn tomorrow maybe I'll be like oh yeah this is this is, just, this is the quenchiest cactus juice cactus juice and some some weird dance yep from out of the desert, and him and Momo, some, and Momo drink the cactus juice. It'll quench you. I just finished rewatching all that. We, <laughs> we talked about this last week. Well, we're in a time loop. Did you, time loop. Paul, did you Can't see the how it. to drink? Uh, <laughs> the cactus juice. Yes, cactus. Yep. I wasn't that interested. You know, he's like, oh, I got this cack. I'm like, I'm never buying that stuff, so I'm never going to do this. So it's fine. Sometimes, you know, I, I like how to drink, but sometimes he goes a little little too sideways for me, where I'm like, I'm cool, a cool experiment, but it's not something I'm going to experience because I'm not going to go out of my way and buy weird cactus. Yeah. But also, anytime I watch no, that show, I don't think I'm going to actually make that drink. Yeah, I just watch it because really? it's entertaining. Uh, it's interesting to see those drinks made. And then I go, mm, I'll just go the easy route. Have Paul make it for me. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> so I, I like this recipe for orange wood. Yeah. I've had that. You had that? Yeah, it was a couple episodes, a few Pretty episodes. I don't remember. It was delicious. It like it was a little delicious. bit ago. Sweet. Really good. Uh, so, guys. so not We've been having so much sweet. fun on this episode. I can't wait to get into the main topic. <laughs> uh, the main topic this week is, uh, is Truth, Red, White, and Black. Written by Robert uh, Morales and art by Kyle Baker. Uh, this was a series that came out back in. Let me load up the uh, oh, 2003 or 2004. That's not right. So let me get to the cover page. Nope, not there either. There is no cover page. What? Ah, oh, why am I so stinking at this? Because the issue information isn't there. Where's where's the you know, actual page that has all the 
Oh, here it is. Here's the title page. It's like four issues in. It is. Nope. Uh, well, again. the thing is, like, this I was guess. done as like a prestige format book. Um, so it didn't have like your typical trapping and stuff like a regular Marvel like comic or miniseries. Um, it was done with like a thicker cardstock. I don't believe there were any ads in this when I picked it up because I had originally read this book when we were going to the comic book shop every single week buying our physical copies. Um, this was something that I had actually picked up. Um, so it was in our heyday of comic books. So yeah, uh, we're reading the digital edition, which did come out in 2018. Uh, publication was January uh, 2003. So I was I was close with my guesstimation of it. Uh, and this deals with the Black Captain America. Um, this is a six part story, uh, but the story revolving around uh, Isaiah Bradley only really happens in parts one through well you see the yeah because it's so yeah it's all there's like a time jump in it which i actually forgot about when i started rereading this yeah the time jump happens basically in issue uh starting issue five and then wraps up in issue six um but if you're going to get it i would just get the trade i think it is a difficult read because most of the characters you meet will not survive this story. No, but and it's. I, I think that's kind of the. I don't want to say like the hook of the book because you see a bunch of characters introduced at the beginning, and it's kind of a okay, which one of these is going to become, you know, the original Captain America? Like who was like that subject that. You know, everything kind of worked out in their favor and became Captain America. But then you realize, like, no, nothing actually worked out in their favor. Like, they went through some shit to get to that point. And you're learning that history alongside Steve Rogers. Because a lot of this is being told to you in the same way that Steve's learning about it. To kind of give you that entry point and to have the same viewpoint, like, you're going into the same story alongside Steve Rogers is I think kind of like a surprising choice because you don't see that coming until you get to that point. Like you said, like issue five where you're like, like Captain America himself, Steve Rogers finds out like, no, like this, this all happened before. Like you didn't know. And what's, you know, why I'm happy I read this is it opened up my eyes to a lot of actual history that happened that, you know, I wasn't aware of. Uh, This is based off the Tuskegee experiments that happened um, during between the, you know, over 40 years uh, between 1932 and 1972, I guess, uh, 1973, I Last week, I had all these pages open. I'm sorry. It's my fault. It's all right. Uh, And the only reason why the experiment stopped was because press got wind of it and actually broke the story of what was happening. And what was happening was uh, a group of scientists, medical professionals, were studying the effects of not treating syphilis in a black population. And in fact, were telling 
uh, the people that they were that were conducted in the stories. Hey, no, you're getting health free health care. We're going to take care of you. You're going to we're giving you treatments. It was all placebos. Um, don't go. And they actually said, hey, if you get out of it, if you get treatments from any place else, you, you're going to be kicked out, and we're going to actually have to come after ask you for the money for all the free free uh, health care you received which wasn't real health care it was bogus and uh, during that time frame uh, we learned that penicillin was actually really good at fighting syphilis and they refused to treat people that they knew had syphilis with penicillin which is all awful all awful and uh that's the that's the starting point for this book, mm-hmm. and and the history doesn't get any better. <laughs> the first issue we learn about the uh, the red the red summer, which is uh, when black soldiers come back uh, in Washington D.C. They're they're doing well. They're getting set up, and also and then when the white soldiers come home uh, also come home, they decide to uh, start. They, there was uh, some drummed-up charges against a black man. A uh, newspaper wrote articles to drum up hysteria to go kill kill black people, and, and that and that happened. And you know, over five hundred uh, black people were killed in like a bad lot, much as three days. And the black soldiers decided, "Hey, we still have our guns. We're we're going to do something about this. We're going to make these lynchings stop." So the Red Summer we we learn about in this first issue. And, and it goes on, and uh, I think uh, this is stuff I should have known before. And it's and it's upsetting that I didn't, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm equally really upset with the history and with myself. Well, and for not I knowing. think that's because you have a soul, and it's one of those things like this isn't the kind of thing that's taught or told you when you're in school, mm-hmm. and it matters because. This is a part of our history as a country, but it's it's not even a like page in any of those textbooks you got when you're learning about American history, and it's that kind of brushing it underneath like the carpet that when you read about it from a comic book, it's like oh, like this this I think is one of those books that kind of elevates the medium because it is done by you know two men of like African-American descent. Like, so they're able to tell you a story with that viewpoint. So it doesn't come off as like preachy. It's like, no, like this is the stuff that you don't know. It's all background. It's, yeah. it's not dwelled upon. It's just characters telling their own, their own background. These are characters that have experienced that history and it reads as authentic because of- it is written. Well, um, I do, enjoy this book uh the art took me a little out of the first one and it took me a while to get used to it um just the the Mm -hmm. i don't want to say cartoony manner um i i want to jump in there because kyle baker the artist who did this book does like credit himself and count himself as a cartoonist yeah so, John, you're not wrong to say cartoony, because that's, that's his style. Yeah, it just took me a little bit out of it, and uh, I by the end of the book, it just seemed like that's 
that's the book. Um, and it what and if if you're not for those listening, if you're not familiar with Kyle Baker's art style at all, and again, like we just kind of talked about this, and does not mean to demean him or his art at all. Imagine like Ren and Stimpy, like the way those characters are drawn, and then like the human characters that are appearing with them in that world. Yeah, the, that's very much his like his aesthetic. The uh, it made me think a lot of like the Spumco uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I I enjoyed the history of this. I enjoyed that it didn't shy away from how poorly. Uh, those soldiers were treated and the history that came along with it. Um, I wish they spent, instead of just that last issue really wrapping everything up and just being like, this is what happened to um, the final the final um, character, you just got like a couple word balloons that say, you know, he made it through, he was imprisoned, I fought, and his wife fought to get him out and stuff. I, I kind of wish you saw a little bit of that um, versus it just being told that that's his history. I, I, again, to go back, I do like that you're learning alongside Steve Rogers at that moment because it's, this is Steve in like such a quiet, like personal moment because he's had his run in with like, you know, the Nazi that sold people out, you know, who runs a comic book store now. Um, you get him alongside Isaiah's wife. It's a, it's a kitchen table moment. Like he's literally sitting there in the full Captain America costume, finding out right when we are, it's like, no, like he's, he survived. Like this is all stuff he had to go through. I had to write letters to Eisenhower every single month until he got a full pardon. He came home he wasn't the same, but he's, he's here. Like, do you want to meet him? And, at, and well, go ahead, at, at that point, you know, we know that he's been in jail and also the, since he was denied medical, um, uh, treatment, he, he's lost like his, his intelligence. You know, it's no longer, he, his character isn't able to tell that story anymore. So the, next best thing is for his wife to tell his story. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's yeah. how I took it. Yeah. yeah I, I understand. I, You'd rather I, I see not be told, I, but I, and I agree with both of you on what it is and what we do, but, and in some aspect, I do wish I saw a little bit of that. I, I agree with you. Um, I, cause I mean, Rich, towards we're the, the whole goddamn book in the last, the last issue is like just being told what happens. You don't yeah. see what happens. I, there are there are bits in like the lead up to that where you're being told what's happened or happened happened or happening because yeah. like has happened again. You're seeing the story as it as it plays out, but then you're also being told the story from the future. So happened happening, um, where you see Isaiah in the costume and he's going about his mission. And there's captions there that let you know that, like, no, this story is being relayed to you. And I like those moments where you do see him infiltrating the camp and then just taking apart Nazis. Nothing, nothing gets old with seeing that. Like, it's. 
it's visceral, it's violent, but at that point too, it's not what you would come to expect from a Captain America comic book, but you're seeing just this character completely unleashed after everything that him and his troop and everything that he's gone through, like he's finally able to have that release where it's like, no, like I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to get the job done. Like you, it's hard to like fist in the air, like rah, rah at that moment. But you're like, no, like he's, he's a soldier at that point and you're seeing him just go for broke. And that's really like what sells that character at that point. And a big thing too, is this book does lead into, you know, that current Marvel continuity because Isaiah Bradley is the grandfather of Elijah Bradley, who becomes Patriot in young Avengers. And I, after reading this and even during reading this, I hated the fact that I could not remember a lot of that initial Young Avengers like miniseries story arc that introduces Elijah into that canon because I'm like, I remember they sold him as the grandson of the original like Captain America. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember so much of those story beats and how it was portrayed out because Again, it was a mini series I picked up as the issues were coming out from the comic book store in 2005, 2006, whenever Young Avengers launched. I didn't keep those issues. I didn't go back and reread them. So they're they're gone to the ether. And then also so is my memory and recollection of having read them. I wish I had them that after reading this introduction to the character, I could pick up and see just how he kind of fared, you know, in those like twilight years, you know, how he inspired Elijah to pick up that shield and become like a young Avenger. And I, I think everything that this book does is important, not just for the time that it came out or the time that it set in, but even now, like this book came up 17 years ago and I read it when it came out and like, even going back to read, reading it, it's like, Oh yeah. Like this is something I never was taught. It's something that I didn't remember, even though I had been informed of it when I bought these issues, when they were coming out, you know, I paid like the four bucks to pick it up off the newsstand. Um, good on it for like bringing that information to the forefront boo to me for just probably reading it as another comic book at that time. And then being like, okay, done with truth. Number two, what's next on the stack? Because that's how I read comic books at that time. And through like rereading this and then just even talking about comic books, like we have for the past 10 years, said it before like with the list i'm a bad comic book reader i just read them as like that momentary entertainment like okay i'm done with this one on to the next one and sometimes they probably should linger and last a little bit more like when i read mouse decades ago now that that hit me and stuck with me in a way that i didn't expect a comic or comic book could 
you ask me anything about it, though, like I probably couldn't relay it because I just read it because, oh, this is on the library shelf. It's a comic book. Let me check it out. You know, I think they the uh, Robert Morales strikes up a good balance with showing the with talking about the atrocities that have happened and not overly showing them. You you see how mutilated their bodies get during the testing process and they don't, but they don't linger on the scenes. They talk about the red summer, but they don't, you know, have flashbacks to it. When, um, as is raiding the concentration camp, we, we get that little bit more of separation from the storytelling by having it being told to us. So there's one more layer, uh, away from the reader because you're watching a person being broken surrounded by mm-hmm. other broken humans that were broken by horrible people in a society that allowed it to all happen. And a society yeah. that's broken. Um, and it, it's, it could be a lot tougher to read. And I think they stroke you know, it tipped the scales just on the correct side of it. It should be tough to read. This history is tough. Uh, world war two was awful. Nazis were awful. They're the worst. We should have been a lot better. And we're now, I'm now learning we were only mildly better. <laughs> well, not more than mildly, but you know, we were, we weren't as good as we should have been, you yeah. know, in, in all things. Um, and it's, it's a tough read. And I think, I think there's enough sugar <laughs> in here with the super soldier serum and everything else happening to make that medicine go down. Uh, but it's a tough read. And I think, I think it's an important read though. Yeah. It's not a kid's book though. It's a, uh, oh, I, I put this at a, I think 16? when it came out, Oh, yeah. definitely. Like I would say this is plus? like, not, not like a hard R, but like, this is like that PG 13 entire. And I want to say, don't quote me, but I think it was edited down for like this, like digital version of it. I because I want to say I. Oh, there's seven issues. They, my bad. They covered some stuff up, like when they were um, experimenting on like the African American soldiers that they brought in. I don't think they had as much. Ozan. Uh, well, because well, in the, on, the, but the like, concentration like, camp, when, when, like, everybody's like, yeah, all the bodies are. I want to say there was a lot more like exposed because this was like a again a premium format book. Like you bought this because you're like, okay, I want to see what this um, creative team is doing to add depth and weight mm-hmm. to that Captain America story, you know, based off of American history. So I think they lean a little bit more into it, but it's been so long. Again, time's kind of washed it away. I think that's kind of like we didn't get much into this actual story of what happens or anything like that. I think it's worth the read. I think uh, it's it's hard to get into the story because I mean, we we touched on it because it's seeing the birth of 
Captain America, but it's it's all done from the American government testing on Afri- African American soldiers, mm-hmm. and there you go. Like it's it's the story that it is, and you have a bunch of people that are inducted into like this test, and they all kind of have that something that it's going to take to make them Captain America. Like there's something that resides in all of these characters that if you told me any of them become Captain America, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, they all overcame something else. That was that, that one factor that pushed them to go beyond it. Uh, but it turns out like, no, like, like the serum works for a bunch of people. A lot of them just don't survive the process. Um, a lot of people don't even make it into the process and, or just cut down while everyone else is being transported to the base while it happens. Um, and then that's it. Like it's those moments that happen to the characters and just seeing how people have to struggle and push through things because, you know, this is, this is what life is. Like we have to go beyond it because, Otherwise, we have nothing. It's it's a strong book, a hard read, but man, it's a it's a great comic book. Like I think this is one of like, even though I read it before, this is like one of the best comics that I was able to read. And I read it on my break at work today. Like, yeah, I, it, there's definitely. Those things when you think about it, too, of like, well, of course they would have tried to, you know, tested the super serum on on somebody before Steve Rogers. And you always think, well, it's the Red Skull, you know, things like that. But, yeah, the fact that they took that, took what the government did in reality to African-American soldiers and then did a nice comic book twist on that uh i think it it really it really sells it it really makes it feel you know quote-unquote real and um i think it's executed uh excellently i think if the i don't want to say if the art was stronger but if the art was more realistic i don't think you'd have any light moments to it like you have mm-hmm. um even when the the two guys are you know sarge is playing pool and they're talking and it's not a great conversation they have but they have there's that camaraderie camaraderie of those friends talking and learning about what happened to another friend of theirs i think with it being in that cartoonish style it 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 softens the blows yeah. a bit. Takes the edge off. Yeah. Yeah. And it needs it. It, it makes it more palatable. But it doesn't, like... It doesn't take the... Belittle the story yeah, that's It telling. doesn't take the sting that the story is trying to tell away. Uh, but no, I think it's definitely... It, it's, it's, I think it's um, every, everybody should read it kind of a book. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one, but it's definitely, I think we all agree, it's well worth it. Um, if you read this book recently, uh, you know, you can email us at 
bagandboardcast at gmail.com, correct? And uh, or that's the one. Or mention, uh, put it on our timeline on our Facebook page. Uh, just do a search for Bagden Board. Uh, don't Twitter us because we're not on Twitter. Like we're there on Twitter, yeah, I, but I'm, we, I am so bad at social media for myself. Mm-hmm. You can't expect me to be better at it for the podcast that I love doing. <laughs> um, sidebar: I'm going to say this on the show because it might push me to do it, guys. I really want to do like more content, whether it's like special episodes, posting on our social media or other stuff like YouTube videos. Again, mm-hmm. like I used to love when we would do those, you know, like when we were doing all the new 52 books, all that kind of stuff. Um, I created us a, what's it called? Twitch account. What? Like if we want to like stream games, is it, we haven't published it because we we've never done anything, but it's there, um, <clears throat> guys. I bought one of these, and I'm holding in front of me the Funko <laughs> Ultimate Unboxing Box because I saw it and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." It's only nine ninety nine. What's in that box? What is inside that box? Thirty dollars worth of What's value. In the box? I don't know. I kind of what. Oh yeah, thirty dollars worth of value for nine ninety nine, and and some Twitch I, I value. Saw this, I, like, I want to see what's. <laughs> I was like, I want to see what's in this box. Right. So I bought it, and I was like, Oh, this could be a fun video. Mm-hmm. It's an unboxing box. Like, yeah, unboxing's the thing on YouTube. I want to unbox it. And then when I was getting cashed out for it, the cashier was like, Oh, it's five thirteen. I was like, Excuse me, like. Oh yeah, everything on that shelf's five dollars. So I'm going to buy a second one. Um, Paul, that's sixty dollars worth of value for ten bucks. I don't know if I'm ever going to do it. I'm holding onto these boxes because I kind of want to. But again, but I'm bad at this kind of stuff. But if you do a do video, ten years, you got to introduce it that mm-hmm. way. About and then I bought another one. I mean, two of them. Two, they're ultimate unboxing boxes. Two unboxing boxes. Two unboxings. Yeah. Do I do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's in the thing. I would have to figure out how to do like a like a camera setup because I just again we're not like a visual podcaster thing at all. Like we just do this for the fun of it. Um, We've done videos in the past. You can check them out over on our YouTube page. We're just bagging board. They're from like 10 years ago now, probably. Remember when, um, what was the, we, we, we used to stream our podcast live back during when we were recording in Studio A. Oh, uh, yeah, we were on Ustream, Ustream. Which I don't even think that uh, site exists anymore. No. Not. I bet Scott has it all, though. Yep. Oh, Scott probably got all of it. We that. had. I just remember us doing like the Windows. Uh, yeah, Windows. Little, uh, Windows Seven. Windows Not Seven. Party, yeah, where we had the that, balloons that's, and streamers, that's, and it's like, hey, this is. That fun. Is We're up to you, Windows Ten now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, there is a portion of that video up on YouTube, I believe. Yep. Oh, jeez. And if nice. I can find it, oh, I think that was the whole thing because like Scott got like a free copy of Windows Seven for being like, oh no, we're going to promote it. <laughs> like, oh, is yeah, it, I it Paul? <laughs> and I got the signature edition. I still have that signature edition of Windows Seven somewhere. 
which allowed me to update to Windows 10 for free. <laughs> so, hey! it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> That's the thing. Again, like, New Year's resolution or half year's resolution, because 2020 is almost over. This seems like the sorry, kind of year? thing I should have done when I was... 2020. Uh, 2020. Uh, this should have been the thing that I was doing when I was stuck inside for almost three months and I was like, you know what? Let me create content. Uh, now that I'm back to work, both jobs, it's like, well, now's not the time. But I, I want to. I like doing this stuff. And it takes me actually sitting down and doing it with you guys to make me be like, oh, like, this is fun. Like, why not? Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. So yeah, look forward soon, guys. Sixty dollars for the value. Right, two weeks. I only paid ten bucks for two it. weeks. Is there a le- video game in the box where you could put one half know. of the video game together it, with the other half of the video game, and you got one whole video game? It doesn't say anything. Like oh. it says, there's four pieces inside of it. Ultimate unboxing box, and then when you look down at the description of it, it literally just says mystery box like it gives no other info it's uh just one set of one half set of the funko verse board game so you probably i'll check it out um sidebar conversation next time i come up i think i want to get a box of the magic the gathering jumpstart set that's coming out and do something with that with you know you guys and then like Greg. Yeah, that'd be great. Because Jumpstart looks like it's a lot of fun. And John, or Paul, if you don't know what Jumpstart is, we'll talk about it after the show. There you go. Anything else you want to close out on? Sorry, I've been talking for a long time. John, you got a side project or today, any guys. kind of content you want to uh, create and or do? Yeah, when can we look forward to your Moana podcast? We'll get the Moana, Moana Minute. Moana Minute. Uh, that'll That'll be starting shortly. Uh, I'll need all the sign in for Pippa again. Dude, if you need a guest, John, I, I would love to be on that. It's going to be 30 minutes of... talking about one minute of Moana. That's that's the goal. No, no, it, it, the podcast itself is a minute long. Oh. So it's going to be a lot of like, hey, thank you for being uh, here on my show. I got a special <laughs> guest, Chris, here to talk about Moana. Uh, make sure you rate and, and review us. Thanks for listening. Click. That's what I. What if it's just updates about Moana in like the bigger universe? It's like, oh, uh, well, I saw they had a Moana action figure come out. Um, yeah, that's about it. And you can. 12 points of articulation. You can find that at uh, any local. Oh, and that's our minute. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> uh. uh. But guys, luckily, we get more than a minute when we do this podcast. So, like Paul said, do the things. Email us, rate, review us. Yeah. Check out Word Books with Friends. Eventually, we'll probably have another one of those. Yeah, season, season two season is on its way. Season two. It's in the works. Vo- volume two. Volume, oh, volume two. That's true. That's true. That's the thing that always got me about this podcast. We just, we've never done volumes or issue numbers. It's always episodes. <laughs>